0: Hey, Taisa. Hey, Sam. How has your week been?
1: Well, as you know, um, I just came back from New York, and I'm having a bit of a New York withdrawal from the Big Apple to my home in Philly.
0: Big Apple.
1: (laughs) The big, big city, but what happened in between oh yeah halloween happened my house just did like a house halloween we dressed up as webkins so i was cash cow if y'all remember cash cow from webkins and yeah it was really cute and now this week is crazy because the elections are tomorrow well by the time you hear this they'll have already happened but as of right now the elections are tomorrow and it's just gonna be wild 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 it's just yeah I don't know what else to say besides like I feel like everyone is like sort of very anxious and just like waiting to see what happens
0: yeah I mean I don't know I'm happy we have tomorrow off because I there's no way I could get anything done tomorrow (laughs) but yeah I actually just had my fall break and I up just staying in New York, obviously not trying to get people ill, but um, I've been like reading a lot, which has been nice, and like I haven't done it forever.
1: Um, I, I'm i just going to say this out loud. I can't believe that I don't have election day off. I'm sorry, but fuck you, Pan. Like that's actually so like, like it's not that hard to give election day off. Also... Actually, I don't want to throw shade at my teachers because I like my two teachers that have class tomorrow. But even if the administration says that we can't have election day off, like, I feel like you could definitely still make class optional or something.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that you guys didn't have election day off. I don't know. We get it off every year, I think.
1: Are you Um, serious?
0: Yeah, they want us to vote.
1: (laughs) Dude, tomorrow, because I visited you last week, tomorrow... I have to vote and I'm waking up at like five AM to go. And then I have classes from one thirty to six.
0: Yeah, but you better vote because your vote like actually matters this election, especially.
1: I know, I just saw an article yesterday that said that the election could come down to Pennsylvania. Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah, this is gonna look so dumb <laughs> looking back if it like actually comes down to Pennsylvania. <laughs>
1: I know. Sorry, the Big Apple can't compete. We'll see what happens. But for right now, we are super excited for today's episode because we will be interviewing indie artist on Jamalai over a cup of pineapple juice.
0: Great, let's get into it. For today's episode, I chose to highlight pineapple juice because last week we made cocktails that had pineapple juice and cranberry juice and a bunch of other cool stuff, but we bought like a big thing of pineapple juice, so there's a lot left over, and it's actually pretty fun to drink. Um, It starts to like, I'm one of those people where pineapple juice like hurts my tongue after a while though, (laughs) so I have to like pace myself. (laughs) I'm part of like the weaker portion of the population.
1: But I feel like that's more embarrassing than having peanut allergies. I'm sorry. No,
0: it's like, I think like 50% of people, like if they eat too much pineapple, it hurts their tongue.
1: Well, I guess that I am just superior because I don't feel anything when I drink pineapple juice. Lit- nothing. I don't think it's that good. I also, my tongue doesn't hurt either. <laughs> pineapple juice don't do anything for me. Um, but... That sounds like some pussy shit, Sam. You can, you need to get that sorted.
0: Loki, I just, I don't think I can. I think it's like some, it's like some, it's like a slight allergy maybe, I don't know. You can, we can look it up.
1: you like calling it an allergy being a little bit dramatic.
0: Wait, no, I saw I read something about it because I was like, I looked it up once because I'm like, why does this hurt my tongue? Is there something wrong with me?
1: You went on WebMD?
0: Of course. <laughs> They They told me I had all sorts of diseases.
1: (laughs) Rare affects 1% of the population.
0: Okay, first thing for why does pineapple, why does pineapple hurt my mouth? Why does pineapple burn? Why does pineapple belong on pizza? That's hilarious.
1: Oh, that's so funny. Okay, poll. I love pineapple on pizza.
0: Yeah, me too. We're definitely in the minority there.
1: Glad we got that sorted.
0: Sorted.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think that your pineapple disease kind of killed the mood.
0: It's not a disease. Apparently, it happens to everyone.
1: Mm, Not I. My my babies will just be better.
0: Maybe you just don't have like, whatever pain receptors anywhere. You just built different.
1: Oh, I have pain receptors. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't get it twisted. (laughs) <laughs> my bed like, always juts out of my room so the number of times I've gotten up to get water and just like hit my like ankle on the um, corner of my bed Ooh, I definitely have pain receptors
0: you know you have pain receptors but we are, are gonna jump into the interview now um we are interviewing the artist and they are based out of Boston uh, and make wonderful, wonderful indie rock music. Yeah, so I found out about them a couple months ago, basically with the release of this new album. It's been pretty much on rotation for me since then. It's a fantastic project and I'm super excited to talk to them about it.
1: Yeah, um, I have been playing Give or Take or nonstop Literally non-stop, which is a lot because the album isn't that long. It's literally 30 minutes long, which means that I've gone through this album a lot of times. Uh, <laughs> but I am such an indie music fan. I think more so than Sam is. I think that Sam likes indie music, but I feel like I listen to it more, especially like in the fall It's so rare for me to find, like, an album that meshes so well. Like, I love every one of these songs. Like, I don't skip any of them. I think that, like, I think that, like, Maker is definitely the most popular song. And deservedly so, because it's such a bop. But, like, literally everything in the album flows so well. And I'm just so excited to hear about Anjimali's process and like how they came into the indie space in general
0: for sure yeah it's a really beautiful project and i'm super excited to talk to them more about the process of creating it let's call them now
2: hello hey hey. sorry i'm late y'all
1: no no it's all
0: good
2: okay
1: where are you calling in from
2: um i'm in boston right now
1: how is it there
2: It's gorgeous. It's yeah. It was uh, it was snowing last week, and now it's just cold. So (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's all right.
1: Um, I'm calling from Philly, and Sam is in New York. So we're kind of spread along the East
0: (laughs) East Coast. Perfect. (laughs) Sweet. Uh,
1: But thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. We're both huge fans. And I said this before you hopped on, but I've been listening to Beaver Taker, like nonstop. Wow. So 30, 30 minutes long. So nonstop means like a lot. of.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I'm pumped. And thank you for sending me that email because I put this in the wrong day in my calendar. (laughs) So I was like, that was perfect. It was just what I needed, folks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, Um, if you don't mind, we're just gonna hop into some questions. Yeah, let's do it. Um, So the first song that I heard off Give or Taker was Maker. And obviously these lyrics get repeated a lot. I'm not just a boy, I'm a man. I'm not just a man, I'm a God. I'm not just a God, I'm a maker. So when I heard these lyrics, I was becoming like more self-actualized. I was like, this feels empowering to me so how did you like when did you come to terms with this type of self-actualization and define yourself like not as a man not just as a god but also a maker
2: um well i so i wrote this song in the winter of 2015 and i remember feeling really it was like cold and dreary and like i was alone in my apartment and like the heat was off because my my um, roommates were at work and I was just chilling in the house and like I felt this like overwhelming sense of loneliness and so the like composition was born out of that and kind of like what you were saying about self self actualization it was like the more lyrics I wrote the more connected I began to feel to like my personhood and like identity. And went from kind of this like very chilly human in this super cold apartment to like, and like an artist, like someone, someone who feels like they are making art and digging into their identity. And at that time in my life, I was beginning to explore like what it meant to be non-binary and trans. And like, when I was 17 and 18, I came out to my parents as a lesbian. And that was an identity that that felt right for a long time. And then the older I got, it just didn't fit as much and when I met queer folks in Boston who like explained to me the concept of non-binary and trans it like made so much sense as something that resonated with me and that 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 like processing kind of came out all of a sudden in these in these chorus lyrics and I was like damn and you know I, I wasn't really taking it super literally when I wrote it um which is why like looking back years later as someone who was now like very comfortable identifying as trans and transmasc and non-binary it's kind of wild to me that i wrote that because i was not feeling as i was not really feeling as confident as it as it as the lyrics are you know it was kind of like manifesting in a way i think
0: yeah yeah that's like a beautiful thought yeah i was kind of wondering just about you just talked about the the boston scene a bit but what is it like operating within this like very white indie space do you feel like it constrains you in any ways or have you found ways to like work with it?
2: yeah um it's just weird I don't understand white culture but um <laughs> it's weird to be it's just weird to be surrounded by white people and Boston's really segregated and It kind of took me a couple of years to recognize that I felt weird being surrounded by white people, but um, in the past couple of years, I've kind of, not necessarily, it's not that I've broken off from the local indie scene, I would say I'm a part of it, but I'm also, I kind of view myself as like a bit of an island, just because of how racially segregated it is. And like, there's a lot of dope local publications with like white folks who are like radical and anti-racist. So that's lit, but there is also just like this sense of pervasive whiteness that kind of borders on tokenization. Where I wonder, I I don't really trust like folks I don't know in the scene, basically, who if they're white. I'm kind of like, what are your motives here? Like what like what do you want? Because I've just had so many weird experiences of like being booked as like the only black person, or like being the diversity inclusion and in some like weird magazine and like like the Boston Herald asked me for an interview recently and like they just endorsed Trump and I was like no and they were like oh but check out like the the writer was like but check out all these past articles I've written and I was like dude do I look like a clown see <laughs> so I'm like like I, I you know he's a great writer but I'm like your boss endorsed Trump and I'm black so You won't ever see me near the Herald ever again. Like, you're kidding me.
1: That still blows my mind that, like, so many people just don't have that awareness. Like, I'm pretty sure that maybe, like, you saying no, he probably, like, didn't think was going to really happen. You know?
2: Yeah, clearly. And, you know, it came through my publicist, who was super lit, and so she was like, hey, they just reached out. But, you know, we just saw today that the Herald endorsed Trump. And I was like, oh, yeah, unfortunately, the Herald endorsed Trump. So it's a no. I'm like, that was going to be the end of it. But then he got back to me and was like, I would invite Andrew Lee to look at these articles that I've written about folks of color. And I was like, I would invite you to look at, like, my past interviews where I talk about how much I hate racism and white complicity. I was like, bro. Yeah what the fuck? So I like <laughs> said that to my publicist and i was like yeah can you send can you forward this and she was like absolutely and i was like thanks because like that's incorrect <laughs> Yeah, and i know that you've been making
0: music for a long time um and been involved with music in various ways for a long time but did you always see it as like the career path that you wanted to take
2: i i always saw it as like a career path that i wanted to take but not in a realistic way like I remember like being a kid growing up just like loving music, loving like Prince and Whitney Houston and Madonna and all that stuff and just like being like, I wanna be a rock star But like that was like that was the goal. And then, you know, I got older and I was like, Okay, maybe maybe I can't be a rock star, maybe I'll be like a doctor or something and then, you know. I got a little older and I was like, Maybe I can be a rock star. Um, so it's 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 something that's gotten more serious in the past like three to four years or so and it's less it's less um it's less about like I always believed that it was something that could potentially happen as like maybe but I always thought it was like a matter of like getting like a big break or like I don't know a matter of like randomness as opposed to like planning and work and like freakish research like a freakish amount of research and once I realized that it was like kind of similar to like studying for a class. I was like, okay, like, let me get out my like material and start prepping, let's do this.
0: Wait, can you talk a little bit about what you mean by that? Like what type of research did you feel like you had to do?
2: So at first I like, it's, it's had a lot to do with specifying my career goals, which I'm still doing. Like at first the career goal was like, okay, I want to be a musician. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like I do play guitar, like I am a musician. So do I want to monetize? A music career so then i was like okay yes i want to make a living wage off of music and then from there it had to get more specific like i want to release albums like every two to three years or so and then tour every three to six months um based on the album release cycle and then i want to like sell merch and also like license my music to film and television and use all of this as revenue streams to like perpetuate my music career and so I just like looked up artists that I really liked and saw like and looked at their like career trajectories basically I like I like have some Google Docs of just like you know when Sufyon's first record was and like what 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 press outlets like covered the album like same goes for like Moses Sumney and Mitski and Lucy Dacus and just like anyone who I like want to be as successful as now that I ha- now that I have like an album out it's involved doing research of like different management companies that I might be interested in working with and also booking agencies. And before the record came out, I was looking up different publicists that my label was sending me. And before I like linked up with the label, I was also looking up different record labels that I might be a good fit on. So yeah, just like a bunch of that stuff.
1: It's really cool that you talk about that because I feel like that mirrors like a lot of what people do in like more, mainstream for years you know like people do that same research and i feel like i don't really hear artists in that same research who sort of like assume like they have talent and then they have luck but yeah. there's also that in between you know like you are purposefully trying to find like the best way to get there you know
2: yeah i think it's definitely there's definitely like an element of luck but i think like it's said that like you luck luck is like important but also a certain amount of work is going to get you into the spaces where luck will come in handy. It's like you need to work to get yourself in a room with people who you can then like talk with and like kind of get that lucky break and have meet folks who are interested like with a certain level of power who can help you and help your career.
0: Yeah on that note of like working towards like getting these publication reviews and all of that like what was it like I know like We're not saying Pitchfork's like the gold standard or anything, but was it good to like see your music on Pitchfork and Stereo Gum? How did that feel?
2: Yeah, it felt great, you know, and going back to research, like my label asked me, they're like, so what kind of press do you want for this album? And I was like, I want the indie special. I want Pitchfork, I want Stereo Gum, I want Consequence of Sound, Pace Magazine. Also NPR would be really sick. Rolling Stone would be insane. And then all of that happened and I was like, hell yeah. So I was definitely pumped about that pitchfork review, man. I was listening to Sleep over that. I got forked. I'll tell you what. I was like, just waiting for that pitchfork review.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So kind of talking a little bit about NPR. um, So I saw the YouTube videos of you playing um, therapy for the Tiny Desk concert. Yeah also 1978 those were in like different years so mm-hmm. when you were sending those videos out like what stage of your music career were you at were you just like at that stage where you're like let me shoot my shot or were you starting to get serious now?
2: um i think so the therapy video i think was in like 2015 or 2014 so i was like still in like mid-college and it was like less serious and more like well there's a contest i write music let's uh, let's put it in the contest And then by the time I submitted 1978, which I think was like two years later, I was like actually not super into, I was like not really trying to submit a Tiny Desk thing. I was like, nah, I'm kind of disillusioned. Yo, like I submitted two years ago and I didn't win. So this is just, you know, (laughs) this is, this must be a racket here. (laughs) And then um, my bandmate, uh, Justine was like, hey, uh, you, you should submit this. And she's in the video playing synth and she produced my record and um or co-produced my record and it was kind of a flippant decision on my part but i was um doing an artist residency at the time which is where we recorded that and then it ended up in me winning the favorite massachusetts entry to the tiny dash contest which then came with like a thousand bucks and also like a bunch of local press and opportunities. And I was like, oh, snap. So that was like a, that was a legitimizing thing for me where I was like, oh, okay, like things happen when I take action, (laughs) basically. Or my possibilities kind of open up when I take action.
0: For sure. And to kind of go back to the album, one of the first things that I saw from it was the, um, the stream, like the release stream. And it was just beautiful to hear like, these different arrangements of the songs. Could you, like, talk about what putting together that stream meant? Um, And then also, is that, like, the lineup that you think you're going to use going forward if, like, we get a chance to, like, start going to concerts together in Justine?
2: Yeah, so the the release stream, such a cute time. Um, So, yeah, that was me and Gabe and Justine, and they both produced the album, and... We went up to the house and we were like, we were basically just trying to like make as full of a sound and get as nice of a production as possible within the limits of like a pandemic. So like we rented that like boy scout camp and they're like, you can only have like three or four people in here. And we were like, got it. Like you know, no full band or anything like that. But Gabe and Justine wrote their parts for the record, like Gabe plays bass and also just percussive stuff and co-wrote a lot of the percussive and bass parts with Justine who also plays piano and they cover up those parts as well. So um, they were, they like figured out the live arrangement. They were like, this is what we're gonna do. And I was like, great, I'm gonna play guitar. And let's see how this sounds. And we're practicing, we're like, okay, maybe this piano part doesn't fit here. And like, maybe you don't need to do that bass thing. That sounds kind of weird, but we were able to figure out like a nice kind of stripped down set. Um, And then ideally, like when touring is back, I think Gabe is like an a solo artist in his own right who was like working on popping off so I don't think he'll be available to play live but ideally Justin will be with me plus a full band like another bass player um a drummer and a backing another backing vocalist as well.
1: So um what kind of like drew you into the indie music space and I know that you talk about your inspirations a lot like Um, have you always seen yourself as like someone in that sort of space or did you ever experiment with like other forms of music
2: um I I let's see when I yeah when I was like 17 my one of my friends made me a mixtape I did not know it at the time but she was a hipster and was the first hipster I would ever meet and she she made me a mixtape of indie rock and I was like what the hell is this Cause up until that point i had been listening to punk like hardcore punk and hip-hop and a lot of ska like a ton of ska and she played there was a there was a song on that there was a bunch of really like classic indie tunes but one of them was like a song called i need a life by the born ruffians and i was like oh snap this is a game changer and being introduced then I was like oh snap like what is indie rock like I didn't know I had never really heard I didn't know what it was (laughs) and so I started like doing my research again and like listening to like Neutral Milk Hotel and like Pavement and just kind of like figuring out what the deal was and that involved a lot of Iron and Wine and a lot of Sufjan and I was like I was like okay and I started like playing like learning to finger pick like Sam Beam from Iron and Wine and um I kind of just like slowly drifted into that space. And before I was introduced to indie, I hadn't really been doing any songwriting at all. And I, I think once I like found indie, I was just like inspired to, to start kind of writing in that genre. And and thus, thus it was.
1: And speaking of those different, like you're a lyricist and you play the guitar and also you sing. So which one of those elements you think like, most naturally to you and which did you kind of have to like push yourself for um, to excel
2: at? Yeah I think singing is what I have most experience with and most comfortability with and then I think guitar playing and songwriting in equal measure kind of took me some time to get comfortable with I think yeah I think probably writing lyrics was like the thing that I found the hardest when I first started playing and it's not that I don't think it's hard now. I just try not to, like... Um, I've gotten into, like, a... Or rather, I've gotten into a songwriting process where the lyrics kind of just come, and I spend as little time as possible on them, and I kind of spend as little time writing the song as possible. And I kind of, like, catch a vibe, and then, like, stay with it, and then let it go. So it's, like, usually a pretty quick process. And I try not to overthink my lyrics. And when I was first writing like a lot of my older songs, there's like a lot of lyrics. There's just like a lot of words. And at a certain point, I think a couple of years ago, I was like, I don't think my songs need to have that many words. So I just started like saying less. And I was like, less, less lyrics equals less lyrics to worry about, let's do it. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: That's that's such a funny way of putting it. Um, it totally <laughs> makes sense. So for the album, I noticed lyrically. I feel like there's a lot of different themes going on, but overall, the album has a very like comforting feeling to it. Was that something that you intentionally did, or just something that kind of came together?
2: Um, I think, I think in the songwriting it was intentional, um, because I wrote a lot of these songs in a in a, in a moment of like emotional, uh, intense, like just feeling emotions intensely and using music as a form of processing um and so it was like a self comforting a lot of these a lot of the the composition of most of these tunes was like an act of self-care and an act of uh like yeah self-healing
1: so when at least when i listen to the album like i feel like someone is comforting me (laughs) and what do you want, what did you want people to take away from Give or Take or, either from the lyrics or from kind of the sounds that you managed to create?
2: I think, I think something important to me that I hope comes across is a sense of not being alone or not like being the only one. When I was, when I was like writing a lot of this record And even when I was, like, growing up, I just remember, like, being kind of, like, a lonely kid and just, like, feeling, like, sad a lot, like, kind of inexplicably. And also feeling like I was the only one who who ever felt like that. And the older I got, I just, like, you know, and the more therapy I got, I was like, okay, like, as a human, I experience, like, a spectrum of emotions. And, like, sometimes I'm super sad and I can explain that and sometimes I, like, can't. And... I don't know, I just spent a lot of my life being like, I'm the only one who was having this experience. And like a lot of that even relates to like, alcoholism before I got sober, when I didn't understand what alcoholism was. And I was like, I feel like this is just me here having this uniquely like awful experience. And and when I got sober, like most of these songs were written after I got sober. It was like self nurturing. And I, I, I wrote it for me so that I could feel less alone. And so and so that's what I'd like, if anything, folks to kind of get a sense of when they listen to this. Yeah,
0: that's definitely that's definitely how I felt when I was sitting with it. And I was also wondering about the cover. How does it relate to the content of the the album?
2: Yeah. So for the cover, um, we got a painting commissioned by the one and only Rebecca Larios and Um, My, like, past DIY releases have all been portraits um, because I think it's important to have, like, visual representation as a queer Black person. Like, I think I I do want people to know that there is a queer Black person singing these things, and I want them to know what my face looks like, if if anything, so that other queer Black folks and other queer people of color can be like, oh, word, like, great, like there's another one (laughs) and so the image itself is related to sorry I'm looking at like the the painting is on my wall right here so firstly uh, a big part of the album cover is the lion king so um Justine it was Justine's idea to get the painting commission and at first I was like I don't really know and then I was like fine 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 and we were sending the we were sending Rebecca the painter Uh, like, examples of what we wanted for the colorway. And I was like, listen, I want this, like, this record is about, like, my heart and soul and nothing, (laughs) the piece of media that has most impacted my heart and soul is The Lion King. So I want this colorway for this, like, I want the color palette to reflect The Lion King. And so I just sent her stills from I Just Can't Wait to Be King. (laughs) And, like, another reason, part of the reason The Lion King was so important to me growing up is because it was, like, the first time I'd ever seen, like, Africa and like my parents are Malawian and I was like oh my god like the lions like it's us and they're like "Mm -mm, it's not us but (laughs) yeah it's a good movie (laughs) so they were kind of like it was my it was my like five or six year old self like seeing myself in a Disney film or like in media kind of for the first time so I was just like super obsessed with Mufasa and Simba and all that and in the painting there's like foliage in the background and it's sugarcane, which is the most like popular crop in Malawi where my family is from. And like a lot of the music is influenced by my Malawian heritage heritage and the music that my Malawian parents listened to. And just like, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure to incorporate that. And then fun fact, uh, there's like some like bluish water in the background with like orange. And that's from a specific scene in I Just Can't Wait to be King where Zazu is like being a little bitch and like he's all mad and he's like he's standing on a log and he's about to go down this waterfall and like that's one of the stills I sent Rebecca and so when I like saw the painting for the first time I was like did you paint did you actually seriously literally paint me into a scene (laughs) from I Just Can't Wait to be King she was like yeah and I was like yo I'm dead like this is the best day of my life um and so I feel like it's kind of, it's a subtle nod to a lot of influences in my life. And also just the, the prospect of like being king in the way that like royalty lineage relates to like black American music, whether that's like Prince or like Duke Ellington and just kind of like, I wanted to like dive into that lineage in like a less direct way. And so that's, that's, uh, that's why that looks like that.
1: That's incredible. I feel like album covers are, like, so important to, like, an album as a whole. And I feel like, I don't know, we asked, I remember we asked this question before to someone. And they gave, like, this five-minute-long explanation (laughs) about, like, why they chose the cover. And I was like, I feel like it's so important because it's, like, what you look at when you're, like, playing the album. At least I've seen it on my laptop for, like, the past few months. (laughs) Um... But kind of going back to, I read that a lot of the songs from Give or Taker, it's not like they were all written in one period. Um, like some were written pre-recovery, during post-recovery. And what made you want to integrate all of these songs from all the different time periods together as opposed to just like kind of like a chunk of your life?
2: Yeah. So, so when we were like, uh, I had a session with Gabe and Justine. A pre-production session, wherein I like showed them a bunch of my um, the songs I had written over the past like five years, and we just picked the best ones. And they just so happened to basically be this crop of of tunes. And I think I think that in like I ha- I've written a lot of music, and a lot of it it's like a lot of it's weird. And there's like a lot of different genres being explored in my secret demos that no one will ever hear um but this collection of songs to me was like and to Gabe and Justine as well was the strongest just because of its like each each song is like very focused thematically and in terms of vibe in my opinion and I think that that makes for like a strong experience and like a strong storytelling aspect that kind of made these tunes, like feel very compelling to me. And, you know, some songs I write are, are, you know, better than others. I'm kind of, I ascribe to the philosophy that like, the more I write, the more good songs I have to write, right? So I try to write as much as possible. And this, this batch of tunes was the most resonant in my opinion, and just the most emotionally focused and lyrically focused. And so it kind of felt like a no-brainer when we picked these to be the, the tunes for the record.
0: Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think you picked great songs, obviously. Um, Thank you. <laughs> is there anything that people should be looking out for in the future from you? What should be on people's radar?
2: Um, let's see, look out for some merch. We got some hot shirts coming in. I'm gonna be well, like, and I guess more music. I, I shouldn't, I'm not going to spoil the surprise, but there's more music coming in the next couple of months and also a little bit of music dropping this month. So, Ooh. yeah.
1: Hey.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Well, we'll definitely be on the lookout for
1: it. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I think that those are most of our questions. Um, thank you so mm-hmm. much again for hopping on.
2: Thank you all so much. No, uh, Thank you so much. Great questions. <laughs> yeah, love, love talking to you all
1: cool we'll talk to you soon that sounds great bye peace thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of two versions we hope you enjoy getting to know on and check out their album give or taker you can find this episode on our website quarantinecontent.com or on our weekly newsletter the queue see you next week